0: The book of Job is easily one of the most troubling books in all of Scripture, and yet at the same time one of the most comforting books in all of Scripture. It's troubling because it opens with a scene of God and Satan having a conversation about This fellow Job. And to make a theological point, God allows for everything Job has, including his children, to be killed. Now, I don't know about you, but I am tremendously uncomfortable with the image of a God who allows for children to be killed to make a simple theological point. And I don't know that there's a good way to clean that up other than to say, at the moment, we need to sit in that discomfort. But as the book of Job moves on, we see this rolling conversation chapter after chapter after chapter with Job and his friends. And they're trying to make sense of this tremendous suffering that Job is undergoing. They're trying to figure out what the reason is for it. Because, you see, the prevailing thought process at this time was simply this. Good things happened to good people, and bad things happened to bad people. Now, the book of Job tells us that Job is an unqualified good person. No doubt in anyone's mind, including that of Satan and God. Job is a good guy. And so all of these bad things are befalling him. Flocks stolen, killed and run off. Children killed. And boils and sores all over his body. So his friends come to him and they say, Job, all of these bad things are happening to you. Surely somebody must have done something wrong somewhere along the way. Either you or your children, or maybe even something bad is going to happen to you out in the future, and that's why all of this is happening. And yet, Job continues to insist, No, I haven't done anything wrong My children didn't do anything wrong. There is no reason at all for why this is happening. And so Job's friends continue to say, no, God is just. God lets good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. So since bad things are happening to you, you must be a bad person. And Job continues to insist he has done nothing wrong And yet bad things are happening to him. So, shock and horror, God must be unjust. And Job continues to get angry about this. And Job continues to make his case to God and says, God, I want you to show up and I want you to to try this case so we can figure out if you're just or unjust. I need this all settled. And in a whirlwind, in a storm, God shows up. That's the first big takeaway point. No matter what it is that you're going through, God shows up. And God doesn't simply show up. God comes with something to say. Now what's interesting here is that God does not directly address that which Job has brought up to God. God does not address what Job is wondering about. Rather, God has a different response for Job. And that's another little takeaway point. God will always speak to you, but it may not be about what you want to talk about. So, little faith point there. If you have something you wanna talk about and God has something God wants to talk about, whose topic should you pick? Ideally, God's topic. And so, what God says, beginning in his response in chapter 38, is this remarkable tour of all of creation the theologian sam wells observes that sin is a lack of imagination i like that sin is a lack of imagination when we sin, we simply keep our own perspective to ourself. And we fail to see the world and all of its doings and goings-on with the eyes of God. We Lutherans have a fun uh, Latin theological phrase for it. We say it in Latin so you know it's really important. It's incurvatus in se. Can you say that? I mean, I really want you to say this. You're going to wow your friends with it later on. In curvatus in se. se. And so the English rough translation of that Latin is curved in on the self. That's a lack of imagination. That's sin. When you are simply curved in on yourself. I had a professor in seminary who said sinning is navel gazing. Just gazing away at your navel. And so Job, and Job's friends, and Job's wife, and everyone else in this story are incurvatus in se, curved in on themselves, a lack of imagination, saying, no God, the world works this way, and this is the only way that the world can possibly work. And so God shows up to show them a deeper, more profound reality about the way the world works than they previously had. God asked Job and by extension us, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when I pinned in the chaos that is the oceans, and said, you can be chaotic, but be chaotic here. Were you there when I made each and everything that you see around you? Are you there when I watch over them and take care of them and provide for everything that they need? were you there? And of course the answer is no. We're not there. But what God is providing for Job and us in this response is imagination. To see beyond our own particular little desires our own particular little perspective. That's what God is providing for. Let me give you a little example, actually, from the book of Job. uh, Bible scholar time. Anybody uh, know how Job's children were killed in this book? Oh my goodness, does that mean y'all need to read your Bibles more? Maybe so, yeah, there you go. There's my little teacher scolding thing for the moment. Job's children were killed when they were having a party at the oldest child's house and a whirlwind, a tornado, came and knocked down the house. So, let's talk about competing goods here, okay? You build a house, a structure. Is it good for that house to stay standing or to fall down? Yep, y'all were a little hesitant there, okay? This is, this is easy. These aren't trick questions. But so it's good for the house to stand. So now, you get a tornado, a whirlwind. What is good for a tornado? The base. Huh? Basement's good, base good for you for a tornado. Same thing that's good for a tornado is the same thing that's good for a toddler. Knocking things down. When the tornado goes back to the other tornadoes, the tornado wants to say, oh, you should have seen it. I knocked down every house I encountered. So what's good for a house is for it to stand. What's good for a tornado is for it to knock things down. So in the reality of the world that we have right now, we have this thing called competing goods. What's good for the house is not good for the tornado, and what's good for the tornado is not good for the house. Now, that's a bit of a fun, ridiculous example, but I imagine if you have ever been around more than two or three people before, you know the reality of competing goods. What's good for one person is bad for another person. What's bad for them, good for them, all all that kind of stuff. That's a reality right now in this phase that we find ourselves in. And yet what God is inviting Job and Job's friends and Job's wife and you and me to see is the more grand-scale picture of all of it. To begin with our imaginations, to venture up to the heights of God's perspective— To wonder what it might have been like to lay the foundations of the world. To wonder what it might have been like to create everything. To sustain everything. To provide for everything. In short, God invites us to have imagination. The reality is, as troubling as the Book of Job can be, it's also full of richness for our life now. You might simply notice that we all live our lives in curvatus in se, curved in on ourselves. We have our own little pockets of world, of, of, of worlds that we live in. If you watch Fox News, you believe Fox News. And anything MSNBC says, well, that's a lie. And if you watch MSNBC, you believe MSNBC. And anything Fox News says is a lie. Let me tell you something, I'm gonna gonna take every last one of you off. They're all full of crap. (laughs) Write that down, put it on your social media, Send them a letter. What's that? Quote of the day. day. We spend more of our time listening to talking head pundits, covered in makeup with bright shining lights, trying to get ratings so they can put more money in their pockets, than we do listening to that. Now does that get an amen and a hallelujah? Hallelujah getting a little Baptist up in here this morning. God is inviting us into something more, something more than your favorite cable news channel can give you, more than your favorite politician can give you, more than anything else you can possibly imagine can give you. God is inviting you into an imaginary relationship of getting to imagine just how profound this world is, just how profound your neighbor is, just how profound the plant is that you walk by on the way into your house. You know what God wants you to do? Turn off the TV. Turn off the smartphone and the social media. Turn off the internet. In fact, you know what? Turn it all off. God wants you to go lay in the grass and stare up at the sky and wonder what's up there. God wants you to go stare at a plant for a while and wonder about the sheer majesty of something so small, yet so intricate. God wants you to celebrate your neighbor, the one you like, and the one that lets their dog crap on your yard. God wants to enliven your imagination. And so often we listen to the voice of those friends that try to distract us from the voice of God. So shut things off and imagine with God. Amen.